When it comes to leadership, there is no need to reinvent the wheel. Character is what eventually makes or breaks leaders. Yet, it's the most ignored and overlooked aspect of leadership development today. We have the perfect leadership role model, and that's Jesus. We simply need to follow his lead, allowing him to work in and through us. Welcome to Lead Like Jesus podcast. Leadership starts on the inside. That is Rich Cummins. I am Freddie Scott, and this is the Lead Like Jesus podcast where leadership starts on the inside. This is your podcast, Kingdom Leaders, and we're so glad that you're joining us again today. In today's episode, we're talking about people fuel, identifying people that are energy gains or drains and the the damage that we have with creativity and lack of focus through that. We're also going to share a prayer to help you build your essential life team. So this week, again, we get a chance to be joined by an amazing, amazing mentor, leader, uh, someone that has been instrumental in my life and Rich's life as well. In fact, Rich and I would not have met had it not been for this special guest. And so, Rich, uh, for those of you that this is your first episode and you missed the last one, Rich, why don't you let everyone know who we're joined by today? Yeah, I'm more than thrilled to be able to introduce a friend, a mentor. Dr. John Townsend is a nationally known leadership consultant, author, and psychologist. He's written over 30 books, selling 10 million copies, including the New York Times bestselling Boundary Series. John founded and operates the Townsend Institute for Leadership and Counseling and the Townsend Leadership Program. Dr. Townsend travels extensively for corporate counseling, Uh, corporate consulting, that is, speaking events, and to help develop leaders, their teams, and their families. John also has a weekly video call-in program called Dr. Townsend Live. Dr. Townsend and his family live in Southern California and Texas. One of his passions is playing in his his son and his band, The Bandits, at, at local venues and at parties. And, you know, I've heard him play, and he's awesome. He plays the guitar, and he sings right in. Tell us more. Yeah, I was trying to give you some credit, Dr. Townsend. I'm still kissing up. I'm, I think there must be a grade coming from your institute. I'm, I must have to worry about passing or something. But, yeah, maybe subpar. I, I don't know. I think you're pretty good, though. Guys, it's so cool to be here. I love what you do. I love the whole mission of Lead Like Jesus. So thanks for having me on. Well, this topic today, I think, is relevant. Uh, I think everything we talk about is relevant, and especially a lot of your teaching is so practical and down to earth. But today's topic in particular, when you talk about people fuel and and the issues when it comes to leadership and and the relationships that we have around, uh, this really hit a very personal space for me. A lot of work that I do, and obviously some stuff that I've done as a professional athlete, there's so many toxic relationships that we're surrounded by. And many times we have, and I'll speak for myself, that I felt guilty if I tried to sever or make adjustments because I felt this sense of responsibility or obligation. And and so a lot of people around me just became so draining. When the phone would ring and I'd see that name across my cell phone, it's just like, oh my goodness, do I wanna take that time? So Dr. Townsend, could you sort of open up and just sort of talk about um, the pains associated with having the wrong types of people around you? Absolutely, Freddie. You know, when you guys mentioned, you know, how much a leader needs things like energy, it takes enormous energy to lead, whether it's an NGO, 501c3, or a for-profit, or a corporate worker, or an entrepreneurial hustle. 
takes enormous energy. It takes enormous focus. You've got to focus, you know, you got to be in a zone to do it. And it also takes creativity because that's the nature of competition. And the drains you mentioned of the people we sometimes inadvertently surround ourselves with, Freddie, it can just knock us out because you're trying to put all of your everything into making the mission and the vision of the company work, but you've got people who are moving the other way with you. They, now some of them are like in, in the, in my book, people fool, I talk about some people who are more care, you know, they're, it's like, you know, I, I've got lots of ministries I support and I've got people that I mentor and there's nothing wrong with them. It's just, sometimes I take on too many, but that can be a drain, but then you've got chronics. Mm. And chronics are those folks that, that most leaders really throw in themselves to a black hole with. It's people who really aren't coming to you to get better, to learn techniques, to learn marketing, to learn vision, to learn culture, to learn teams. They're coming to you because they just need somebody that, that's kind, that's kind of, they can just kind of gripe about, about to and kind of vent to. And what you notice about the chronics is that like whenever I mentor somebody or coach somebody, I always give a homework assignment. You should never just listen, maybe 98% of the time. You should never just listen and then say, well, I hope this is helpful. I, I kind of make people accountable. If it's my time I'm spending, I've got to give them something to do. So here's the homework assignment. Do, you know, have this conversation, read this book, go to this. And a chronic will come back and you'll say, so how did it go? Because whenever I do a coaching session with somebody in my organization or out, first thing I start with is how the homework go. And they go, well, I was really busy. Okay. Okay. But I give them a second turn and the second turn, if they were really busy, they didn't do it. Then it becomes a different conversation because then I realize they just want me because they like me because I have maybe certain, who knows, strengths or information, but they kind of want me to be a comfort zone so I can increase their, their endorphins. I'm like their Prozac and, mm. and Prozac, you know, I'm a psychologist, right? It lasts about five hours in the system. So they leave a meeting where you're trying to help them and pump them up and give them ideas. And they feel so good because they were around Freddie or they were around Rich. And then after about five hours, they kind of forget it all because they make the same mistakes over again. That's a chronic. And they stay dependent and not very functional forever until the lights come on. And our, uh, we leaders are very, very vulnerable to the chronics. They're not bad people. Mm -hmm. They're just what the Bible would call foolish. But they don't learn from lessons. And we, because we're positive people and we help people, this sort of thing, we've got to watch out for how we deal with that segment of the people coming to us. Remind me about that with a, a chronic, I believe, or a fool in the case uh, of the Bible, the Bible uh, definition of that. Isn't that where a person is trying to bend the truth to themselves? And, and what do we do about that? You know, I mean, we could Jesusize it and give them, you know, a lot of times we feel guilty if we, if we don't make space for everybody that comes into our lives, how do we handle these chronics? Well, I think in a previous show we, we did together, I talked about the five steps of understanding when you are supporting someone or enabling someone. And that's how you tell. You analyze that relationship. Between meetings, you sit down and say, I'm feeling drained around this person. I feel like, gosh, there, there's so many needs. I never get them all done and they're not getting better and I don't have time. So let me give you the five points. And it's a good, it's, it's kind of a grid to kind of filter. Am I really, is this, is this person a person that's going to grow or is it a chronic? It'll help you. First off, is the person's needs for you, are they because of a can't or because of a won't? Are they a can't or a won't? Is it because they don't have the resource? 
the investment. Maybe they don't have the wisdom. Maybe they don't have the time. Maybe they're broke. Maybe they're depressed. That's a can't. A won't means it's just inconvenient. I'd rather get, I'd, can you, like, can I borrow your lawnmower? Well, you already got a lawnmower. Yeah, but it's in the back of the garage. I, I want to use yours. That's a want. And I'm into can'ts. I like to help people who can't do something because I have certain abilities. I'm not interested in the wants. So number one, is it a can or a want? That's a filter. It's a grid. Number two is, do I actually have the resource? Do I have the time for them? Do I have the information, the data that they need? Do I have the financing that they might need? Do I have the energy for it? And so that's when I have to go into my own boundaries, my own priorities. And I might go, I don't think I have what they need. Uh, or I do, and I'm, I'm happy to do it. But I've got to be able to do that because if I'm not taking care of my life, my family, I'm worse than an infidel is what, uh, what, what, uh, what Timothy says. Third thing is, um, what is it in terms of their, mm, their skin in the game? Do they have skin in the game? Do they come in and say, can you give me $100? And, and you say, yeah, can you put up 10? But if they go, no, I don't want to put up any time, any money. I don't want to put any time in. And I don't want to do any homework assignments. And I don't want to do any, you know, roll my sleeves up work. That's no skin in the game. And we know from the neuroscience of the science of work, as well as relationships, that people who don't invest with you as you're helping them and do something about it and do action steps, they're going to be what we call a passive dependent. That's a psychological truth. Mm -hmm phrase. They become passive dependent where they just go, that was really nice, Freddie, more please. That was really nice, Rich, more please. And it doesn't go anywhere. The fourth thing is, is my attitude going to be happiness and joy, or is it going to be resentment? You go to second Corinthians chapter nine, the great stewardship passage. And Paul says, don't give resentfully or under compulsion, but give from a cheerful heart for God loves a cheerful giver. So when I anticipate giving this person an hour of my time, a day of my time, uh, my expertise, saying no to my family so I can do something for them, there are cases when we do that. Do, is my heart cheerful? And I go, I'm glad to do this for them. It's worth it. Look what they're doing with this. This need is, is being met. Or am I going, I'm kind of I'm kind of ticked off here. You know, I feel kind of like resentful. I'm torn. The Bible says, pay attention to the emotions. Am I cheerful? or I'm grumbling. And that will tell you something about whether this is the right thing to do or not. And then the final is, is uh, what is the fruit? What's the fruit of you spending time with these people on the phone, on video conferences? There's only two fruits you're interested in. One is autonomy and one is dependency. Are they more autonomous? Meaning they take it, they take the time that Rich and, and, and Freddie gave them and they go, man, you just launched me. Thank you so much. Thanks for the, the, the sessions you gave me. I'm going to go win the world. I'm going to start my building. I'm going to start my church. I'm going to start my, my shoe sales group. I'm going to start my IT group. Thank you so much. I am now autonomous and free. Or are they more dependent? Like I need more of this from you and I don't want to do a lot about it. That tells you, you go through those five steps in these relationships and then you can know I'm going to spend just as much time as I did because you are priority. You pass the five tests. You're not telling them this. This is internal. Yeah. Or you go, I, I'm kind of done. I'm going to refer you to somebody else. I never, when I say no to somebody, I never just leave them hanging. I say, yeah. here's a number of a, of a coach who might help. Here's a number of a therapist who might help. Here's a, a, a an 800 number. I, I leave them with something. Is it time to say, 
I'm, I can't meet anymore, I'll refer you out. Or something in the middle between st steady as she goes and no more, there may be, I've just got to modify and spend less time. But that grid, once you work through it, will help you. That grid is great. Thank you for that wonderful tool. Uh, in your teaching, you also talk about the keys to creating high quality connections. Why is that so important? Well, because basically we are what we're around. You know, like my, my doctor's got me on this, one of these crazy diets we all get on, right? And they've been confronting my <laughs> habits of what I eat. I'm from the South, okay? That's what we do. And so, you know, they're just saying garbage in, garbage out. That's why you look like garbage. I say, okay, I'll stop looking like garbage and I got to do the garbage in. It's the same thing with relationships. You know, when, when I started studying leadership, um, I started studying how leaders, how great leaders stick in there and do great things and accomplish great things and have the creativity, energy, and focus they need. And I found out that the ones that were struggling, most of them, I'm talking kind of mostly in the Christian world. Some of my clients aren't, aren't Christian. Most of them are, I'm kind of in that, that space. But they either tried to get their energy by their relationship with God, prayer, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, commitment, or by discipline. It was all go to God or be disciplined. And those are great things what the Bible says we're supposed to do them but they were woefully, woefully inadequate in what I call the horizontal. You see, God is the vertical. Jesus, Holy Spirit, prayer, Bible. That's the vertical part. God sources us mightily with that. We've got to have our quiet times. We've got to go to a healthy church. But God also gave us the horizontal. Hmm. When Jesus was on the mount on his passion, Matthew 26, he's, he's sweating, sweat drops of uh, sweat looks like blood, and he turns around, to Peter, James, and John says, I, uh, my soul is, is distressed. In the Greek there is the same word as for depression. Jesus is probably clinically depressed as he anticipated his torment. He said, be with me. Here is God getting all the vertical from God. I mean, however we, that works. But he still turned around to three people, three humans, and said, be with me. If Jesus, the leader, that's the name of your ministry here, lead like Jesus. Mm -hmm. If he is the leader and he needed people and he is God incarnate, who are we to say, I don't need people? So I started studying this and I went to the, the I went to uh, biology first and I started thinking about nutrients. You know, we're all trying to get in shape these days and we need more calcium because if we don't have calcium in our bodies, we get, you know, bone problems. If we don't have enough iron in our bodies, I mean, you guys are all into sports and this sort of thing, you know, then we have, um, you know, anemia. So we need these nutrients. And I came up with the idea of just like bionutrients, we're all spending tons of time on bionutrients and it's really good we have relational nutrients that we need. And relational nutrients are those things that we give to each other, not from a pill and not hmm. from you know, a syringe, but in a conversation, a warm text, uh, a dinner, a time with people. And we give those to each other. So I gave, I've got these four areas of nutrients. Talking about your high quality, Rich, that's how you get the high quality is who do I have in my life that's giving me those and as a leader, how am I giving people those? And if you understand the four quadrants, the four types of nutrients that we're giving, you'd better be getting those four nutrients from somebody because we cannot minister and we cannot lead from an empty tank. It does not work. You know, it's I was just going to say, it's really interesting that you say that because you can't give what you don't have, right? You, you can't. And most of us, though, we can get so enamored and passionate about what you feel like you're called to do without truly assessing the relationships and am I equipped, 
right, to do what I've been tasked to do, whether or not it's am I assessing those draining relationships? Uh, I remember Aeneas Williams, he's a Hall of Fame cornerback, just an amazing golly man. He said, a mentor is not someone who gives you advice. A mentor is someone whose advice you follow. And from that standpoint, many times we assume I'm a role of a mentor, but they're not listening to you. <laughs> and, and so what you shared is so helpful is to give us, a, give us a quadrant or a way to assess, am I having the impact on this person that I think I should? But then on the flip side, on the life-giving relationships, Am I receiving the things that are essential for me to be productive and effective for what God's called me to steward? And so what are, could we dive into that as far as really understanding what is essential for me to receive from people? Yep. It's a really good tool. Um, you can get it on, on my website, Relational Nutrients is the, is the term. But the four quadrants are, first off, is a thing called provide just presence, be there, you know, be there with people. You know, leaders, we're, we're not good at being there and kind of shutting up and listening and caring about people. We're kind of more, here's three answers. Here's 14 <laughs> Bible verses. Here's your action plan. Now you need action plans, but sometimes people don't need it. You know, like Job, it said that the only good thing that Job's friends did for him in chapter, I think it's six, it said he sat with, they sat with him three days, seven days and seven nights, did not speak a word to him for they saw his grief was very great. If you've got somebody that's broken, is disconsolate, who doesn't believe in themselves, is just disconnected. Sometimes you just need to be with them, be empathetic and attuned to them and listen to them. And all of a sudden they start feeling energy because you entered what we call their well, their well of pain, mm. their well of failure, their well of stress, their well of shame. And you're the leader that could just be there and say, I'm with you, tell me more, how did it feel? And a lot of leaders that's very unnatural for, no, I wanna give them a plan. Hold on, Jack, and later. Because nobody listens to, I love your mentor thing, Fadi. Nobody listens to a mentor unless they feel that mentor is in the well with them. So you've got to be present with them. The second one is deliver the good. These are the encouragement nutrients like hope and, you know, I believe in you and respect. And sometimes people just need that little, it's, it's basically it releases endorphins in people. It makes them feel good to say, I know you're down right now. I know you feel like things are overwhelming but I've seen you, I know your character, I believe in you. It's so powerful to give a person that one. The third one is deliver reality. You know, leaders are called, out, called on to be Gandalf sometime. I'm kind of a Lord of the Rings freak. And Gandalf, he always had these wisdom things that came, nobody, how did he think of that? Because he's Gandalf. And sometimes we need to tell people the why, you know, here's why you're doing this. Let me, let me give you some insight. Let me give you a strategy. Let me give you some ideas. And they desperately need our ideas. And the fourth one, is call to action. Sometimes we gotta help people get off their butts and do something. What's your plan? What's your step? Uh, is there a, a conference you need to go to? Is there a training you need to go to or whatever? And leaders tend to be better at quadrants three and four. You know, here's the idea, here's the plan. But you cannot neglect quadrants one and two because people will go, she or he's giving me all these ideas and kind of kicking my butt, but they don't know me. They don't know how bad it is at home. They don't know how bad I feel about myself. And so they just kind of blow you off. But if you can get in the well and just say, tell me more about that. You sound overwhelmed. All of a sudden they will feel enormous loyalty to you because you actually slowed down enough to listen and be with before you gave them the plan. John chapter one, it talks about what Jesus, what, what, who Jesus was. It says he came full of grace and truth. If you look in the Greek there, the order is very important. It doesn't say truth and grace for a reason. 
It says grace and truth because they can't hear your truth until they experience your grace. Quadrants three and four are the truth parts. Quadrants one and two are the grace part. Grace them and listen to them before you give them the plan and it will change your culture. I've heard you say it before too. You have to give them the antiseptic before you surgically operate on them. So that grace before the truth. And that's, that's so amazing. That's, that's a, a great concept. Love that you take it from a scriptural reference. In our last episode, we were talking about uh, burnout and we were talking about uh, responsibilities over uh, resources and how there's this, this, uh, f- this fraction there that you have to be careful to land on one if you want to be effective as a leader. And so we know one part of a resource, a very important part, are the people that are in our, that are in our lives. And, you know, after I left the, the Townsend Institute, I went on to study uh, for Wait, my doctoral. You graduated. You sound like you dropped out. You didn't. <laughs> after I graduated. And actually, I still teach there, so I can't get away from you. I'm stuck. You're but not anyways, <laughs> after I graduated, I went on to uh, pursue my doctoral studies. And I, I, took, I took the capstone that I developed when I was in, uh, in your program, and I looked at burnout as a matter of fact, and burnout is caused by a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, tough relationships, unproductive relationships, all of uh, stre- these stressful relationships and a couple of other factors. But I found in my research that the antidote is not fewer relationships. It's healthier relationships. It's more mutually beneficial relationships. As a matter of fact, that coupled with optimism really becomes uh, an antidote for burnout. But I'm very curious on your whole concept of an essential life team, having those people, that, that Navy SEALs team that's right along you and speaking into your life what does that look like well you have to be intentional about it because leaders are the flame and people are the moth and they just want to be around leaders not their fault they just attract you to the wisdom and the capabilities and capacities but you've got to be intentional you don't pick a team that's picking you that's a bad idea you pick the team and it's three to ten people minimum of three maximum ten and they can be all around the world in a virtual universe it's fine some some of them can be in a group with you some of them can be separate mine i've got a hybrid I've got some in a group that I'm in, but I've also got some that don't even know each other, but that's fine because they have such great character qualities. They're so high, such a rich source of nutrients for me. And they've got to have several characteristics. You, you look at them for number one is, do they have pretty much shared values? I mean, not every, every, everything. I don't know, pre-trib versus post-trib, those kind of things. That's you know, that's not a major issue, but the shared values of God and family and truth and honesty and accomplishing things, ministry. Secondly, are they able to be people of grace? Would they, now they can confront you, but they can never condemn you. Are they people who are graceful? But also thirdly, are they people of truth? Will they kick in the butt when you need it? I want people who will do both, give me tons of grace and never condemn me, but also tell me the truth. Fourthly, can they be vulnerable? A lot of leaders have a hard time being vulnerable. But if you look at all the Harvard Business Review studies and all the Forbes studies, vulnerability is a key aspect. It's when we teach at the Institute about how the vulnerable leader is changing the world. Can they be vulnerable and kind of open up their own struggles with you? Fifthly, can they be mutual? You don't want to get people in your life team that are kind of like your mom or your dad. Well, here's the thing I tell you. That's what a coach does. That's what a mentor does. But that's not a life team. They're, they're, They're saying, here's my struggles. Here's your struggles. The next thing is, are they available? It's just a logic. I mean, some people just say, I love this person, but I can only meet twice a year. That's not really a good nutrient. I mean, they're just people you see twice a year, but I don't qualify that as a real life team. It's got to be somebody you can meet with on a regular basis. 
And when you, and then the, the last part is, are they hungry for growth? You know, Matthew five, Jesus said, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do they want to grow or do they want to hang out? I, I've got a bunch of hangout friends. I love my hangout friends. They're not on my life team because I want people in that A team, that SWAT team, now you said a SEALs team. I want people on that team who are hungry to grow, to change, to transform, to be better people. And once you kind of go through that grid and then you go through your Microsoft, you know, contacts page and say, I got to talk to some people, you'll find your three to 10. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I personally went through a lot of difficulty navigating that space. And, and even in talking to different professional athletes and NFLs, we talked about uh, the sessions we've done uh, with the Browns. I remember I was, uh, did a session with them during that 0-16 year with them. And we were talking about relationships and people. And one of the things that threat trends that came up in the conversation is the people that helped you get here may not be equipped to help you get there. And sometimes we'll confuse the fact that, hey, maybe that cousin or uncle or high school buddy that you know helped you during that season may not necessarily be the one that's gonna help you towards these life-term goals or where you're going. And I feel guilty if I feel like I'm making a change in who that circle of influence is. So could you talk to our kingdom leaders about that, about if you're now doing this assessment, how do I do that and feel good about myself that I'm not being disloyal to people that used to be there with me? Yeah, it's huge. Um, and the, the truth is, as organizations grow, we're all about leading means organization. As organizations grow in size, they grow in complexity. As a leader grows in more success, he or she grows in complexity. You have higher level, more complex, sophisticated problems that the people who got you to this place might not be able, they don't have experience with it, they haven't training with it. And so sometimes you have to shift. I've had to shift in, for my entire career for that same reason. And, and there is a guilt feeling like, I'm letting them down. But you got to remember a couple of things. One is um, I always want to be grateful to those people and I, and I never want to dismiss them. But the relationship changes from me investing as as much as I did in them to kind of a friendship. Some of them, they, they kind of get it. You know, they, they get that we can't talk any week and they say, yeah. And there's no some people kind of have an attitude or they're sad about it. You got to talk to them and say, I want to help you have other friends, too. But I'm getting so busy. I need this. And it's, it's an apples and oranges thing. But most people go, I just love seeing you when I see you. Don't, don't let your guilt feelings keep you from being everything God said. And stay kind and connected, maybe at a level, lower level of time to them. But the other part of it is when you begin finding that you have no more room in your calendar space for those, those different higher level people in your life team, uh, make sure that you're committed to them. And when you're committed to them, then all of a sudden you begin to feel healthier, you do better and all that. And one more piece, they don't have to be people at the same career level you're at. They may have to be at people at the same character level. Mm. See, career and character are different. Mm. You might have to need a world-class strategist who's run billion dollar companies, or you maybe need a marketing guru who's done all these things. Well, you, gotta, you might need that in your career, but you might need somebody who's, you know, I don't know, they're, they're, they're working at a, at a restaurant, you know, in your hometown, but their character is so great. I've got several friends like this. They are so loving, so wise, so good with their families, so honest, so faithful. I want to make sure I've got that mix in there as well as the competencies. You've got to have the characters and the competencies, some kind of nice ratio of that. 
and then everything works. So Dr. Townsend, for those listening who want to lead like Jesus, what's something that they can do today in this very moment to build their essential life team? You've given us so much, so many tools already, but if there is one go-to thing that they should be thinking about right now, what would that be? Well, it's my little Microsoft Outlook system, I think, Rich. Yeah. Because um, people go, I love the idea of a life team, but I'm just surrounded by the wrong people. Is there some 800 find a friend number I can call? I go, no, it's not, it's not how it works. Yeah. If just go to your Microsoft Outlook context, everybody's got between, I don't know, 400 and 4,000 people. Give yourself a couple of hours. I've done it for myself. And just go through and go, okay, those things we just talked about grace and truth and values and vulnerability and mutuality. And you just kind of highlight maybe, maybe, maybe you'll come away with maybe 30, 40 people, let's say. And then you go to the top, you know, four or five and you pick the one and you say, this is going to be the first person I try. And this really works. You call them up and you say, Hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Let's have lunch. You don't say, Hey, I don't have any friends. I need a friend. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. Haven't seen you for a while. And you had your lunch and you do what I call stick your toe in the water of vulnerability. You talk mm. about life and how's your vacations, how's the kiddos and all this. And then you, you take one small step into vulnerability. You don't say, oh, my life is, here's my deepest, darkest secrets. That's not appropriate at the time. But you say, well, we've got some struggles with one of our kids. Our 12-year-old, our, you know, our 14-year-old, you know, we found that a smoking duck and we don't know mm. what to do. Or so I've got some, I've got some you know, hiccups in my company. That's, those are risks. And the person will do one of three things, and they'll tell you if they get the second lunch. Number one is they'll, they'll go, when you tell them, you know, business isn't great, they'll go, you know, the weather around here is amazing, isn't it? Well, what they're telling you, what do you think they're telling you guys? Not interested. They're not interested. We're not going deep here. I can't go there. You're, you're freaking me out. I want to talk about the happy stuff. Nice guy, not the life team. Second thing they'll do is go, Oh, you guys are probably, okay. First thing you do, are you having devotions? Okay. Second thing, are you working out? Because I think protein will help your mind work better. Third, here's 14 books for you to read. Fourthly, I think that you, the advice monster, they just run into this advice. What are they telling you? Not going to go in the well and be present with you. I can't. No grace. I just want to give you, I just want to be your parent, your mom or your dad and give you advice. And don't think so. The third one goes, What? your business is struggling. I had no idea. And they kind of lean forward They put their fork down and they lean forward and they go, I, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Tell me. And you tell them, and they go, man, that's tough. How are you surviving this? How are you doing emotion with this? How are you doing spiritual with this? They move into the negative of your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. They move toward your vulnerability. They don't move away, change the subject, and give you advice. They move there. They qualify for the second meeting. That's a possibility. You got to have a total of four. <clears throat> second meeting, <clears throat> you do it again. Third meeting, you do it in. And by the fourth one, if, if they're doing this and you're opening up more and more and more because as the Bible says, deep calls into deep, then you say, and by that time, they're doing it too. Well, here's my struggle with my marriage or here's my struggle with my kids or whatever. And you're like, then you make the proposal. So look, I'm, I'm getting serious about self-improvement. And I found that one of the big things in the science and the Bible is the relationships report. And I'm getting a few people together I'd like to meet with regularly for purposes of growth, talking about life, supporting each other. And uh, I'd like some kind of regular commitment. I don't know, maybe a couple of times a month or so. Interested. When I've sent CEOs that I've been assigned to or business owners to do, do that, it takes three or four months. And they come back and they go, this is unbelievable. I'll say, what happened? They said, 
95% of the people said, are you kidding? I don't have this anywhere. Maybe with my spouse, I don't have it anywhere. I'm in, I'm in. And they sign up because nobody's getting this. Hmm. So in three or four months, you'll have that life team put together. That's as practical as it gets. Go to Microsoft con content, con contacts. This has been life changing. Thank you so much, Dr. Towns. And you've given me permission again, just to assess, are the people around me draining energy for me? Or are they giving me life and energy? And if that is out of balance, it's only a matter of time before I'm not equipped to do what God's called me to do. So again, thank you so much for sharing that. Rich, would you mind praying for our kingdom leaders today that I believe have been empowered, have been given some hope, but also have been given some practical tools to start today in making sure they're assembling that life team. Be glad to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, your word says that you've given each of us manifold graces for the good of the body. Please help us to identify, cultivate, and reciprocate strong, enduring relationships with others that help us to be our best selves through grace and truth. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Dr. Townsend. And that's all for today's show. Please join us again next time. And don't forget, leadership starts on the inside. We'll see you again soon.